This is the Thoughts from a Page podcast, where I interview authors about their latest works. My name is Cindy Burnett, and I love to talk about books. As I am sure many of you realize, I did not publish podcast episodes according to my regular schedule this past week. Texas and Houston, where I live, were heavily impacted by weather more extreme than we usually encounter. And unfortunately for us, our power grid was not up to the task. As a result, a significant number of people here were without power for many days, and a week later, Houston is still under a boil water mandate. For those who have water, some people still do not. While my family weathered the storm with very little damage, many Houstonians did not. People across the country have been asking me how they can help, so I am including links to two reputable groups who could use the support currently. Kids Meals, who feeds thousands of low-income children daily and lost all of their food due to the lack of power, and the Houston Food Bank, who is facing unprecedented requests. In an effort to get back on track, I am releasing the three episodes that should have aired last week, this weekend. Today, I am interviewing Sarah Pierce about the sanatorium. Sarah grew up in Devon in the UK and studied English literature and creative writing at the University of Warwick before completing a postgraduate diploma in broadcast journalism. She lived in Switzerland for several years before returning to the UK. The sanatorium is her first novel. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome, Sarah. How are you today? Yeah, great. Thank you. Well, I'm thrilled to pieces to talk about the sanatorium with you. What a read. Oh, thank you so much. Why don't we start out with you giving me a quick two-minute summary of the book? Yeah, of course. So the sanatorium is a thriller, and it's set in a luxury hotel called La Somme. And it's a hotel that's been converted from an old abandoned sanatorium really high in the Swiss Alps. The book follows Ellen Warner, who's a British detective, as she travels to the hotel for her brother's engagement. Things take a really dark turn when almost as soon as she arrives at the hotel, her brother's fiance Law goes missing and Ellen finds she has to st- step up to the plate to investigate and things get challenging for her as there's a huge snowstorm and an avalanche and she's cut off together with the guests and the rest of the staff in the hotel. Well, how did you come up with the idea for this story? Yeah, so the book kind of stemmed quite organically, really, after reading an article in a local Swiss magazine about the history of sanatoriums in the area. So it spoke a lot about how some of the sanatoriums were converted into hotels after the advent of antibiotics. And it kind of really got my mind whirring. And I started thinking as a, as a guest and then potentially as a reader, how would it feel to kind of read about and experience a place where people had sort of lived with illness and, and then died? And, and would that be how would you feel if it became a hotel? And there were sort of aspects of the clinical past from that hotel, from that sanatorium within the hotel itself. Your sense of place is so strong, both the Swiss Alps, the outdoor setting, but also Mm. the indoor setting, the sanatorium itself and the different things that they had saved and incorporated into the hotel. I just thought that was absolutely fascinating. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was something I, I played with the idea a little bit. And I don't think it's always I've had some reactions of I don't know whether I would stay in that hotel with these clinical aspects, but I thought it would be a really interesting way of bringing the sort of past to life. I won't say too much more about the plot in terms of that, but I think it's always there, that reminder. And it's something that fascinates me about repurposed buildings in general, whether it's a school or or a prison, or any other building that's then converted into some kind of residential accommodation. I'm always fascinated by the idea that there's this history bubbling beneath the surface that might come to light any moment. 
I really enjoyed that also. Over the years, we've stayed in various hotels that have been repurposed, and I always love that. I feel like it gives them a strong sense of identity or just kind of makes your stay more enjoyable. Now, of course, we weren't staying in sanatoriums. They were like a train station, an old art deco building, things like that. But I I did think that from time to time while I was reading your book, I'm not sure I'd want to walk into the lobby and see some of the things they had displayed. Exactly. Did you mean for the hotel to become a character in the novel? Yeah, very much so. I think something I really love when I'm reading a book, and I think it could be the the landscape itself, the external landscape or like building in this case, is when you have that environment around a character that does almost take on a life of its own. And as I started writing, I think probably the building itself became even more so. It was a very visual thing to write for me. I really found myself in that building describing it. And yeah, it really came to life and kind of almost took on even more aspects, malevolent aspects as I started writing. I think it's always interesting to ask authors that question because when you do create such a strong sense of place, it does seem like that the person writing the story almost does inhabit the building or inhabit the environment, whatever it is, to be able to translate it onto the page like that. Yeah, I, I, for me, it's a really visual process. I think that's the only way I've learned now. I think it's the only way I can write is if I'm absolutely there within that building. And I think I even now in my head, I have such a strong, I could walk around it. And I think that's the only way you can make a scene come to life. If as an author, you are almost describing what is happening as if it was happening in real time to you. I agree completely. And I find that that's when you do have these settings that come to life so well on the page is is exactly what you're describing, when you literally feel like you could walk around that building and be inhabiting it yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I find when I read exactly the same way that, yeah, you really do, when something's described well, you are able to be there as the reader, aren't you? Kind of following along behind that character. And that's always my favorite kind of story is when that happens. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Actually, my children now are, are really kind of getting into books and, and reading really vividly. And my daughter's reading the Harry Potter series. And she really, she very much has that in her head. And obviously, she's watching the films, but she says she has a slightly different perception of it in her head, which I think is fascinating. Well, and I always love that. My middle daughter is a huge Harry Potter fan, has been since she was very young. Obviously, J.K. Rowling has managed to bring that world very alive. And Emily would just get down to like the money at the bank at Gringotts and stuff. And I just was always amazed that someone's able to describe it all so well that she could be telling me all about the different types of coinage. Yeah, exactly. It's to that level of detail, as you know, when it's been well done. (laughs) Exactly. You must have had to do a lot of research independent of creating the La Somme and the Swiss Alps part of it. What about the police procedural aspects in Switzerland? Yeah, I mean, that was obviously something I knew nothing about. So the Swiss police were actually very kind and they let me almost interview them. I kind of took them through the fictional scenario and it was quite funny. They said, obviously, we do believe that in any situation the Swiss police could get there. I threw them into a very unusual situation and yeah, they were super helpful. So we sat for several hours and talked through police police procedure. And obviously, there's aspects I took to an extreme level. But yeah, I had to do that because obviously, it differs from UK police procedure in in many ways, because it's obviously a totally different environment. So they were super helpful. Yeah, that must have been really interesting. And I, I liked that aspect of the story, where she was having to reach out to them periodically. And then the fact that they couldn't get there. I'm sure they were like, thanks a lot. We really could get there. Yeah, exactly. I said, what if there was this avalanche? But yeah, I mean, it was interesting in in terms of the hotel itself, because it had to be quite challenging, because obviously, it's a struggle to where a building would be built in an avalanche path. So I had to make sure it, it would, wouldn't be in that avalanche path, which they wouldn't have allowed, but still unreachable. So I had some fun creating that as well. 
I bet so. And definitely that lent itself well to the locked room mystery aspect. So how was it writing a locked room mystery? I mean, did that require a lot of plotting? I mean, I was kind of trying to think through defined group of people, defined space, and does that make it easier or harder? Yeah, I I find it easier because I think for me, I didn't want to write too many aspects of a police procedural. So I think for Ellen, being able to operate in her own world made things a little bit easier in terms of the plotting. And it also makes things really exciting as an author. When you have that fixed group of suspects, you've got to create very sort of plausible motive. There's a lot of red herrings you have to weave through. So the idea that there's only a small group of people who could be involved makes it quite exciting. And I think there's also the aspect, the idea that no one can come and help you. So there is no sort of someone on a white horse charging in saying, I'm going to come and save the day in the Swiss police. So it really puts your characters under pressure. And I think as an author, that's really interesting. You kind of, I think you only really see what the characters are made of as an author when you're writing, if you are putting them under an extreme pressure. And I think a locked room scenario really does that. I think so too. And as a reader, you're thinking there's no one else that can help them. (laughs) Exactly. They're on their own. Exactly. So I hope they're up to it. So locked rooms always make me think about Agatha Christie. Was she an influence for you? Most definitely. I mean, I live, our area is kind of steeped in Agatha Christie. She had a childhood home sort of five minutes from where I live now. Her holiday home is is only sort of 10 or 15 minutes away. And yeah, we grew up watching a lot of Agatha Christie TV series on, on the TV, as well as reading her books. And I think what I love about her writing is not only her characters, some of my favourite ever fictional detectives, but I love the exotic setting she uses and that sort of locked room scenario. It's something I think she did really well and such great plotting. <laughs> Most definitely. And I hadn't really thought about the exotic setting aspect of it, more the locked room, but you're right. It really kind of pulls from both of those different ideas of hers. Yeah, absolutely. You have got you go from that Orient Express train to a Nile steamer <laughs> to Egypt. Yeah, just amazing. No, you're right. Well, I am always drawn to covers. And I have to tell you, your cover is probably my favorite cover that I have seen in ages. Every time I look at it, I just am like, oh, that is the best cover. Do you just love it? I absolutely love it. It's interesting. We have two different covers, in obviously one for the UK and one for the US, but they are very similar in that they focus on the kind of creepy and sinister look of the hotel. So when I saw both of them, I was blown away. As a writer, it's amazing to kind of see that come to life. I think when you see the cover, your book becomes that little bit more real. It goes from the imagination and and having the words on a page, but to have a visual representation, it was just thrilling and I love them both. Well, now I'm going to have to look up the UK one because I've only seen the US one so far. Is this what they started out with or did you all have to tweak it some? Yeah, no, it was very actually from both the covers for the UK and the US, they very much stayed the same. So, I mean, some of the colours get tweaked, perhaps the size of the font. But I think, yeah, they both had quite a clear idea that the the designers of what they wanted the book to sort of look and feel like. So, yeah, there wasn't too many changes at all. I think the American cover, and I'm sure the UK cover when I look at it, perfectly encapsulates the story. Yeah, it really does. It just, it gives a hint. I think everything from the font, that's what I think so clever about book design. I think the font gives you that very kind of eerie feel reminiscent of other books and that kind of creepy gothic feel. So they captured it just perfectly. They really did. And the hotel building is just so creepy looking, but also really pretty, very gothic. Yeah, exactly. It just gives you those vibes, doesn't it? (laughs) Yes, I would not want to stay there. I drive up and be like, oh, I've got to leave now. Yeah, I think I would be like, I arrive and then a quick exit. 
Well, I love to follow both Reese and Jenna's book selections each month, and I'm always eager to see what they've picked. I am dying to hear all about how that all went down for you with Reese's selection. And congratulations, by the way. Oh, thank you so much. It was really a dream come true. And I think even more special just because it was so unexpected. It's something you never even imagine, or I didn't even imagine. I followed along with, with the pit, her picks. But yeah, when I got the news, it was genuine, genuine joy and a few little screams of pleasure as well. <laughs> So did it come via email? Do they just reach out to you and say, we've selected your book or how does all that work? Yeah, it just it came through my publisher, actually. So I'd been having quite an ordinary evening because of the time difference. We're a little bit ahead here in the UK. So yeah, I'd, I'd kind of just had dinner with my family, um, was just relaxing. And I had an email just saying, we've got some great news from my publisher. And then we hopped on a Zoom call together with my agent and she told me she was as excited as I was and my agent. So yeah, just I'll always remember that moment. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure you will. It's just so exciting. Oh, yeah. And I have to say, I've been welcomed into the sort of book club community, Reese's book club community with open arms, both the authors and the community of readers. Everyone's so positive and welcoming. It's just been a wonderful experience. Well, that was actually what I was going to say next was that the authors that I have interviewed that have been selected by Reese all talk about that. What a great group it is, and both the readers and the other authors and Reese's team herself, and that they continue to stay with you as the book goes into paperback or as you write your next book, and that it's just really a great community. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And obviously, they've had the app launching and just, yeah, I mean, I received the most beautiful print of the cover of my book and just, oh, just amazing. Yeah, just so supportive and and really engaged. I think that's the key thing. I noticed with the readers, they're really sort of invested in the book club as a whole and they really kind of value Reese's judgment and the team. So, yeah, everyone gets really gets behind that book choice. And obviously, you're not going to always get amazing feedback from every reader, but it's just generally very, very positive and just a great discussion. So, I'm really excited excited for the app and yeah, what it has in store for the next month. I just downloaded the app yesterday. So I'm looking forward to that and how that's all going to go. I'm curious to see what she does because I feel like she's been such a great promoter of literacy and books and just all of it. Yeah, I mean, there's so many great, there's like a kind of little events you can check into and chat about the book. And then she's doing some great yeah, initiatives on there with the readership, loads of different things. So yeah, it's well worth checking out. It definitely is. Well, good. Well, I, I look forward to seeing how the whole month unfolds for your book. Oh, thank you so much. That ending, I'm assuming that means maybe there's going to be another book starring Ellen? There certainly is. I've actually finished writing the first draft of the second book, which will be out next year. Luckily for Ellen, she gets to leave the mountains. <laughs> I don't think she wanted to stay any longer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's like, I'm out of here. Yeah, I'm out of here. And so she's comes back to the UK. So it's based in sort of a fictionalized version of where I live by the sea. So yeah, a very challenging case again. Oh, that's so exciting. Well, I'm looking forward to it already. Oh, thank you so much. Well, before we wrap up, I would love to hear what you've read recently that you really liked. Yeah, I've read quite a few good books. Nothing. It's funny. I had a bit of a, a reading slump during the pandemic, which I think a few people did. And I was mm -hmm. drafting my book as well. But I've read some great books recently. Kate Reardon's The Heat Wave, which I don't know if you've read, I think came out in the US, which I loved. And then I also have read a great proof recently by a new author, a debut called Leah Middleton. And it's called When They Find Her. And that's all about a mother and her daughter, and the daughter goes missing. I won't say any more without giving away any spoilers, but it kind of is everything to do with maternal guilt and what happens when a family fractures. And yet it's a gripping read and I sort of devoured in two days, which is always a sign of a good read for me. <laughs> 
Oh, those both sound really good. And I haven't heard of the first one, which it sounds like it's out. So I'll track it down and then I'll keep my eye out for the other and see if there's galleys out yet. Do you know when it will come out? Yeah, I think I think that one is probably March or April. But I know sometimes there's a delay, isn't there, in the in the US. So it may be a little bit later. But yeah, Kata Reardon's The Heat Wave is set in France. And that's a beautiful book. And yeah, that is out now, I think. Okay, good. And I always love things set in France, actually. So I will definitely track that down. And yes, I never can figure out the UK versus the US publishing deadlines. It seems like sometimes one is here first and then there or vice versa. And it's always kind of a puzzle to figure it out. Yeah, no, my book has been released in the US first. So yeah, <laughs> it's not out in the 18th and on in hardback and, and, until the 18th of February. So yeah, it's a little bit the other way around. I know. And obviously there's rationales behind it. But sometimes I'm like, hmm, I wonder exactly how this all unfolded. I don't know. It's just different a different dynamics, I suppose, what's what's being published on the various schedules in each country and where it fits in, I think, sometimes. Well, and yours had to be moved up a little bit for Reese, correct, here? That's right. Yeah, no, it was moved up. It was due to be published at the end of the month. So yeah, it got moved up by nearly a, a, a few weeks. Well, I had caught that because I had it on my calendar. And then all of a sudden, somebody posted something and they were like, February 2nd. And I was like, wait a minute. So then I had to go back and look and I thought, oh, I wonder if that means good news for her. Ah, okay. So you did have an idea from there. (laughs) You kind of see that happen and you're thinking either book of the month or one of the book clubs or... Oh, I see. Yeah. So is Tuesday the pub day in the UK also? Yeah, it's it's actually a Thursday. So it's the 18th. So I came out in the US last Tuesday, which was the second, and then it's the 18th, which is a Thursday. So yeah, I don't, not sure why they're different, actually. Oh, that's interesting. I've wondered that and never thought to ask anybody. So well, that's interesting. Yeah. So now I can do some research as to why the US is Tuesday and the UK is Thursday. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the difference could be. <laughs> as everything, I'm sure there was a purpose originally. Exactly. <laughs> Sarah, thank you so much for joining me on the Thoughts from a Page podcast today. I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Oh, I did too. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. If you like this episode, and I hope you did, please follow me on Instagram and Pinterest at Thoughts from a Page. Tell all of your friends about the podcast and rate it wherever you listen to your podcasts. I would really appreciate it. Sarah's book can be purchased at Murder by the Book, where I work part-time, and the link is in the show notes. Thanks to KP Regan for the sound editing, and I hope you'll tune in next time. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.